guys, and welcome back to my podcast. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about something that my mom kind of sort of suggested, um, which is the topic of dissociation. Um, I she kind of, I'm not going to go as deep as she wanted me to. Um, she kind of wanted me to go into more detail, maybe more on the lines of um, how someone with PTSD might, and how like, PTSD might, you know, how that might affect and cause um, dissociation. Um, but of course, me personally, the way I like to do things is like just talk about the topic itself, like dissociation, which we're going to talk about today, and uh, my personal experience with it. Um, I like to talk about dissociation in itself. If it does cross over to other uh, mental illness or uh, mental health things, I will of course, bring it up, but, you know, mental health is hard, <laughs> hard to deal with, it's, it's hard to do research on, I think, because everyone is not cookie cutter, um, there's no, like, there's, there's shared symptoms, but everyone expresses those symptoms so differently, that it's kind of hard to always diagnose someone with a particular disorder, or mental illness, um, because, like I said, everyone um, is affected by it differently and um, also they express it differently. Um, also, I'm sitting very weirdly. Ow. I'm sorry if you hear any noise. I'm sitting kind of cross-legged because my microphone decided to not act right. Thanks, microphone. So I have to hold it a very certain way to actually record. On my microphone, if I don't record my microphone, because I record through my phone because my laptop smartphone is trash. So if I record on my phone, it sounds muffled and echoey at the same time. Um, but that's only from recording. If I'm like on a phone call or something, I was like, I can hear you just fine. So I don't know what's, what's up. And the AC just turned on. That's brilliant. Anyway. Um... But back on track, today we're going to talk about dissociation, um, more so what it is, excuse me, um, also um, some more, I guess you can say, I guess treatments and grounding techniques and stuff like that, things, things like that nature. And I did want to also look at some experiences as well as, um, as well as give my own personal um, experience with um, dissociation but to not, not waste any more time let's just be going to get into it um, talking about what exactly is dissociation and some of the other dissociative um, disorders or things that are under the dissociative um, spectrum um, I look to this website here um, you can find them as the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation Pretty long title, I know, but, or ISSTD for short. Um, they have a, they have an FAQ section that talks about it. I'm going to read it out um, and talk about differences between dissociation, depersonalization, and derealization, um, as well as some of the other things that come along with it, um, which I'll get into later. But let's go ahead and read the definition here of what, of how they, uh, of how, of how they, uh, what's it called? Define, define dissociation. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Anyway, 
Um, it says dissociation is a word that is used to describe the disconnection or lack of connection between things usually associated with each other. Dissociated, disso the way they spell it is dissociated. I'm not sure it's dissociated, disassociated. I'm not sure if there's a difference. Anyway, uh, dissociated experiences are not integrated into the usual sense of self, resulting in discontinuant discontinuities and conscious awareness. And they give off a lot of people. <laughs> I can't pronounce I can't pronounce these names, but is there? Um, yeah, it's there. I, I can't pronounce all these names. Um, but anyway, uh, it says in severe forms of dissociation, disconnection occurs in the usually integrated functions of consciousness, memory, identity, or perception. For example, someone may think about an event that was tremendously upsetting, yet have no feelings about it. Clinically, this is termed emotional numbing, one of the hallmarks of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Dissociation is a psychological process commonly found in persons seeking mental health treatment. Uh, dissociation may affect a person subjectively in the form of made thoughts, feelings, and actions. These are thoughts or emotions seemingly coming out of nowhere or finding oneself carrying out an action as if it were controlled by force other than oneself. Uh, typically, a person feels taken over by an emotion that does not seem to make sense at the time. Feeling suddenly unbearably sad without apparent reason and then having the sadness leave in much the same manner as it came is an example. Or someone may find himself or herself doing something that they would not normally do, but unable to stop themselves, almost as if they were being compelled to do it. This is sometimes described as experience of being a passenger in one's body rather than the driver. There are five main ways in which the dissociation of psychological processes change the way a person experiences living. Also as depersonalization, derealization, dissociative amnesia, identity confusion, and identity alteration. These are the main areas of investigation in the structured clinical interview for dissociative disorders. A dissociative disorder is suggested by the robust presence of any of the five features. That's their definition of dissociation. Um, personally, I, I feel like it's, it's weird the way that I was able to find this. Um, only because the way dissociation and dissociative um, disorders is kind of linked. Like, they're kind of... They're, sometimes they're written in title as if they're separate but the same. That dissociation is the word that is broadly used but also has five different subtypes um so i guess a good way of putting it, it's kind of like how um depression has like people say i'm depressed but there's like clinical depression there's major depression you know there's some people have depression that just like seasonal depression you know there's different kinds of depression but of course we might use the overall term of depressed to describe you know someone's you know mental mental emotional state so I'm guessing that's what they're doing here as well. When they say dissociation and dissociative disorders, I'm guessing saying dissociation in itself, um, kind of like not feeling like you're there or feeling like you're not, kind of like being put on autopilot as a lot of people have put it. Um, but then there are also more subtypes that kind of go into maybe specific kind of um, instances and symptoms that 
go more into detail. Um, for example, depersonalization. Um, so depersonalization is a sense of being detached from or not in one's body. This was often referred to as an out-of-body experience. However, some people report rather profound alienation from their bodies, a sense that they do not recognize themselves in the mirror, recognize their face, or simply feel not connected to their bodies in which ways are challenging to articulate. And what is derealization? Derealization is the sense of the world not being real. Some people say the world looks phony, foggy, far away, or as if seen through a veil. Some people describe seeing the world as if they are detached or as if they were watching a movie. Now, just looking at those three descriptions, based off what I can understand, um, basically, the difference between depersonalization and derealization, first of all, depersonalization is, you can take off personal out of that word, so it's more of a personal, so I don't feel, I feel kind of detached, or I feel like I'm not, like how some people say, like an out-of-body experience, it's kind of like that, so it's more so towards yourself in your body um so maybe look like i know sometimes i've gone through this as well where i like look in the mirror i'm like is that how it looks like is that like is that my body you know because sometimes i will walk away from here and for, like it's kind of weird to to speak about because i just start realizing i do this but sometimes i will walk away and forget what like i can't imagine my face like, i can't imagine what my face or i can't imagine what i look like i could i can imagine everyone else just fine like my siblings my mom you know Anyone else that, that I know, I probably can imagine them and probably can know them pretty well. But when it comes to my, my own body, it's like I have to look back. I have to look in the mirror actively to be like, oh, that's your body. You know, like, this is your body. This is sometimes even looking back at my body like in real life, like look at my hands or something. I'm like, my hands always this big. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. I feel like it's more of a depersonalization, you know, not feeling detached from your body, not, not having a sense of self in, in a sense of body, not identity. Whereas derealization is the world world around you not feeling real. You know, phony, foggy, far away, maybe you kind of like watch a movie of everything happening, but like, you know, you're not really actively doing any, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the world itself is not real. But dis, But dissociation is just like the detachment of things such as, you know, and it could be things like your like your body, uh, the world, or it could be something like your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your brain, your thoughts, mind, stuff like that. That those kind of things you can feel detached from as well, which I feel like is another kind of form of dissociation. Um, I'm not gonna go too deep into dissociative amnesia because I did know I did another episode on that. Um, so if you want to, you can go back to that. But just like quick. Like two sentence thing here, um, but amnesia or the dissociative type of amnesia refers to the inability to recall important personal information that is so extensive that it is not due to ordinary forgetfulness. Um, but says most of the amnesias typically difficult of dissociative disorders are not of the class of fugue variety where people travel long distances and suddenly become alert, disoriented as to where they are are and how they got there. Those kind, of, those type of things. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to go too deep into it because I did make another episode dedicated to more dissociative amnesia. If you're interested, you can look at that. Um, but one thing I do want to get here as well 
is identity confusion, identity alteration, um, which I feel like would kind of answer some questions related to, I guess, uh, MPD or DID, um, which are, which is multiple personality disorder or dissociative, dissociative identity disorder. So anyway, let's get into it. So identity confusion is a sense of confusion about, well, who a person is. An example is when a person sometimes feels a thrill while engaged in activity, such as reckless driving, drug use, um, which at other times will be repugnant. Um, identity alteration is a sense of being marked different from another part of oneself. This can be unnerving to clinicians. A person may shift into an alternate personality, become confused, and demand of the clinician, who and where are you and what am I doing here? In addition to these observable changes, the person may experience distortions in time, place, and situation. Uh, for example, in the course of an initial discovery of the experience of identity alteration, a person might incorrectly believe they were five years old in the child at home and not the therapist's office, and expecting a deceased person whom they fear to appear at any moment. This, this is an example. Uh, it says more frequently, subtler forms of identity alteration can be observed when a person uses different voice tones, range of language, or facial expressions. These may be associated with a change in the patient's worldview. For example, during a discussion about fear, a client may initially feel young, vulnerable, and frightened, followed by a sudden shift to feeling hostile and callous. This person may express confusion about the feelings and perceptions, or may have difficulty remembering what they have just said, even though they do not claim to be a different person or have a different name. The patient may be able to confirm the experience of identity alteration, but often the part of the self that pre that presents that's present for therapy is not aware of the existence of dissociated self-states. If identity alteration is expected, it may be confirmed by observation of amnesia for behavior and distinct changes in effect, speech patterns, demeanor and body language in relation to the therapist. The therapist can generally help the patient become aware of these changes. So, I also, the reason I read that also because I, I remember dis dissociative identity disorder also known as multiple personality disorder, being a part of, you know, the dissociative spectrum, if you will. So I feel like that was also part of it. So identity alteration, I guess, could be a part of that. But I don't know. I might have, I might do I might do more research on the side for that. Um. But yeah, so those are so according to this group of people, then according to the International Society. For the study of tra trauma dissociation or ISSTD for short um, dissociation overall is just a detachment um, usually from one's emotions thoughts actions um, that can of course stem to other subtypes such as depersonalization derealization uh, dissociative amnesia identity confusion and identity alteration now course these things are not you know forgotten um i'm pretty sure everyone has heard of you know i feel like here's the thing though this dissociation is different from simple daydreaming as some people might think of it and there's a difference between just daydreaming you know just kind of maybe when kind of or like zoning out for a quick second like 
for example, you know, you might be, a teacher might be talking to you or might be giving a lecture to class and you start looking out the window and zone out. Or maybe looking at a poster and kind of zone out for a little bit. Then teacher might be like, oh, so might be like, hey, you got to look back, you're like, what? They're like, yeah, teacher asked you a question. You're like, oh, now it's like a zone out or daydream. Excuse me, but in these cases, um, a lot of people do not always have control over their dissociation, um, which usually is caused when, based on other research I've done, basically, most of the time, it's usually referred to more trauma. Um, Usually in childhood, when the child would kind of dissociate from the present or the reality of a situation, it would kind of dissociate, um, which would go into, actually right now if I can find it, um, because I found an article that kind of went into it very well, see if I can find it real quick, um, see here, see here, Mm, I can't find exact one I have my little bit of stuff here I had it just here um but anyway it was like um so basically with dissociation see if I can find it just real quick because I do it was it was really nicely said um but yeah can't find the exact one I was looking for but the causes, let me see here, because I have it pulled up. I have that pulled up at least. Yes, right here. Right here. There we go. So most commonly, like I said, is usually through a repetitive childhood, um, physical and or abuse of the sexual nature and other forms of trauma that are associated with dissociative disorders. Um, this is in the crop. In the context of chronic severe childhood trauma, dissociation can be considered adaptive because it reduces the overwhelming stress, the stress created by trauma. However, a dissociation continues to be used in adulthood when the original danger no longer exists and can be maladaptive. The dissociative adult may automatically disconnect from situations that are perceived as dangerous or threatening without taking time to determine whether there is any real danger. This leaves a person spaced out in many situations in ordinary life and unable to protect themselves in conditions of real danger. Dissociation may also occur when there has been severe neglect or emotional abuse, even when there has been no overt physical or sexual abuse. Uh, children also may also become dissociative in families in which the parents are frightening, unpredictable, or dissociative themselves, or make highly contradictory communications. Yes, that's that's what I'm looking for. And of course, there's no exact one way of it happening. But of course, you know, it's not always like this complete break from reality in most cases. Um, but you know, it's usually in childhood. Of course, it can happen in adulthood, but it's usually more in children. Um, as a way of escape from the world around them. So I think sometimes I guess it's a good way, of some some ways of seeing it like in shows and movies and stuff, 
Um, it was like when the parents might be arguing, might be screaming, yelling. They're kind of up in the room. They might dissociate and might, you know, make a tent and um, play with, you know, their dolls or um, they might color. They might just completely like separate themselves from that whole reality. Like, and they are in their head. They're in their like major imaginary world. Uh, it's usually a form of dissociation from the world around them. Um, but those are some of the causes I could find on it. Um, more so treatment necessarily. Um, there are some, um, such as what was written by the Better Health Channel that is, I'm guessing through Victoria State Government. It says the website is betterhealth.vic.gov.au. I'm thinking AU is Australia. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's Australian site or not, but I think I think it is. I think that's what AU stands for. Well, anyway, um, yeah, some treatment for these things um, that some doctors and practitioners will usually use, according to the site, uh, like putting a, the patient in a safe environment. Says so doctors will try to get the person to feel safe and relaxed which is enough to trigger memory recall in some people with dissociative disorders. Um, some might prescribe medications such, such as psychiatric, psychiatric drugs, such as barbiturates. Um, not, not knowing what it was, I looked it up real quick. And basically, it's a drug that acts as a nerve, central nervous system depressant, which can be used kind of like a hypnotic. Um, and of course, since it could be abused for its effects, you know, it just had to be prescribed. Um, also, to bring in also hypnosis is also a form of treatment, um, but it's considered uh, controversial. Um, I think I talked about it in my dissociative amnesia uh, uh, episode. I'm not exactly too, I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically, the controversy is, of course, you don't want to plant false memories into someone's head, um, which hypnosis can do. Um, if if performed not correctly, it can, um, it can create, uh, false memories. Um, it can create situations in the person's head that didn't really happen because hypnosis is usually all about, uh, the art of suggestion. So if someone's highly, is highly uh, sensitive to suggestion, they might create false memories that really didn't happen. Uh, so, so in a way creating false trauma, um, but mo but the purpose is more so to help recover these repressed memories so the patient can kind of deal with them um, so they can help, you know, help create, you know, strategies to help cope with the memories instead of just repressing and just kind of locking them away. Um, other things that are used also is like psychotherapy or what we might know as talk therapy or going counseling, th that kind of thing. Um, just talking, Oops, sorry, sometimes just talking about it can help, um, stress management, yes, um, usually coupled in with psychotherapy and, um, other, uh, coping mechanisms, and of course, this, this disorder, these, mm, dissociation and other dissociative disorders, excuse me, can be signs of other one, can be signs of other ones and also can be symptoms, of other um, disorders as well, 
um, such as anxiety, depression. Um, I I think what it say? I think it says something also lines of. One second, let me bring it right here. It can also be right here. Other conditions that could be associated with it is depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, epilepsy, OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and schizophrenia. Um, yes. So those were what I found regarding treatments. Um, and one thing I did look up to look up grounding techniques because... Um, and one of the, um, articles I'll look up one second, my legs, um, one of the ground, they talk about grounding themselves and I was like, well, I want to know what that is. Cause I know when I used to dissociate a lot when I was younger, I didn't know what grounding was. Um, but looking it up basically according to rethink mental illness, their website right here. Um, give me one second. My leg hurts. Um, they said these techniques can be helpful for people who have been through trauma or who regularly dissociate. They can help to ground you in the here and now. Uh, grounding works best when it's practiced regularly. Try practicing these things every day. There are different types of ground techniques, such as using surroundings. Um, to use surroundings, look around yourself. Focus on all the details of everything that is around you. Uh, try describing this to yourself, either out loud or silently in your head. You want to use all of your senses uh, using words such as making positive words or phrases about yourself, such as saying, I'm strong, I will succeed, I can do this. Um, and of course, use positive phrases, you know, create positive energy. Um, of course, read into yourself out loud when your symptoms are getting bad. Um, using images similar to your surroundings, thinking of a place that you feel peaceful and safe, um, that can be real or imaginary. If it's a real place, choose somewhere that is completely positive with no traumatic memories. Shut your eyes and imagine that place. Focus on all the details and all of your senses. Um, they even say things as using your posture. Uh, trying to move into a posture that makes you feel strong. This can be this can be standing up with your shoulders back or relaxing your shoulders. You know, try different postures if it works for you if this is a good one. And one of the other ones they brought out was uh, using objects. Something that's personal. You know, try pick try to pick a you should try and pick something that um, only has positive memories attached to it. Um, carry it around. Use it sometimes to remind yourself of where you are, who you are. And, you know, just kind of ground yourself back into, uh, real into reality. I did mention other things, which I feel like could uh, also help for other uh, mental health as well, such as just finding ways to relax. So usually, of course, like hobbies and other things of, of that nature can help with relaxation, um, exercise and diet, which of course is for sure everyone, for sure like the staple cookie cutter way of getting a healthy lifestyle and more sure. And of course getting enough sleep. Um, those were my things on it. I did, excuse me. I did see, um, someone through the national, Lying some mental illness, they did raise uh, five things that they wish some of the people would know um, about dissociation. Um, and I was going to read those out. Again, some experiences that I found. 
on the internet and then go into my own personal experiences with it. Um, one, the one that, one of the things they brought out was the person associating is not dangerous. Um, they said that it's a usually the social disorders such as DID or multiple personality disorder, uh, often get a bad reputation in media. We see movies and read books about people who dissociate and become horrible crime, commit horrible crimes under the control of villainous personality. The truth is when people dissociate, they're doing it not because they are dangerous, it's because they perceive danger toward themselves. Um, a person experiencing dissociation is typically closed off from others, possibly catatonic. When, some, when someone detaches so deeply from reality, it may result in inability to break out of this shell. In such a state, most people couldn't hurt a fly, even if they wanted to. Dissociative identity disorder may be the exception since their alters often are able to act while the person has dissociated, but this does not make them dangerous. Number two that they brought out, reality is not an option. Trying to reason with someone who has dissociated is not going to be effective. Reality is exactly what the brain is trying to escape. Bring it to their attention may only cause them to retreat more. I forgot, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention from, one sec, I'm so sorry. I'm making sure these these other ones have names. I forgot to, forgot to see if they, they had names attached to the things. I don't see any names. Okay. I just want to make sure. I'm sorry. Um, but this person, is it was written by Ali Carterman on October 6, 2020. I forgot to, uh, forgot to mention that. I'm sorry. I'm going back to it. Um, says, number three says, anger is not helpful. Anger is another experience that may cause the person dissociating it, dissociating to further retreat. They are already reacting to a perceived threat, and anger will only build on that threat. If you must be with them, use a calm voice, and don't be surprised if they do not respond. Additionally, do not attempt to argue. If someone has dissociated, they are not available for this type of interaction. You are talking to a person who cannot reason with you. The person might be able to hear you, but regardless, may be unable to respond. And if you are trying to... If you try to argue long enough, you could rouse their inner child. This is especially likely the dissociation began when they were young. This will not help anyone, so stay with being supportive. Uh, four, acceptance is key. Accept them, try to understand them, ask kind questions about what they think would help, make them comfortable, tell them they are safe, protect them. And number five, grinding techniques can help. Excuse me. Um, grounding can be beneficial for people also experiencing panic attacks and other forms of anxiety as well as dissociation. If someone you know experiences dissociation, you can help them learn grounding techniques and to and be there to facilitate the steps during an episode. Even though people can usually feel the onset of dissociation, it can be difficult to ground without help. Having a friend or family member there can make the process more effective as they can offer support by remembering or reading the necessary steps. There are many techniques to try, so it's important to find what works for a specific person. All right. I do agree with what was said here. What by what's the person named Allie? I do agree with the person said here. What Allie says. Um, I think the biggest one I do agree with, especially in my own experience, is anger is not helpful, and reality is just not an option. 
So don't try to force them into accepting what's going on around them. You need to let them just go through it. It's kind of like let na- like what people say, let nature run its course. You just have to let it happen. You know, you can't force them into, you know, a certain kind of way. But anyway, let's go ahead. I do want to read some other experiences, which I went to my favorite website, Reddit, uh, for these kind of things, just because I, I, I feel like it's important. <laughs> I like Reddit, especially for these kind of things, when people write their experiences down, because people like to go into detail. Um, but on one of the subreddits, um, CPTSD, also known as Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, um, someone raised a question around two years ago, it says, what does dissociation look like for you? Um, there's a there's actually quite a few that I wrote here, um, but I did want to read some of them. Some of them have deleted, I guess, your their accounts since then. Um, but some, but like one said, um, sometimes when I'm with people, I get really hyper and talk too much, and we're sharing lose my boundaries. It feels like my nervous system gets overactive. Other times, it feels like it's uncomfortable to interact with other people. I feel like I'm in danger, about to act normal. But I can't really connect to them or make eye contact. And I try to get away from people and avoid people. And while I'm in this state a lot, it becomes hard to take care of myself and make good choices. Um, Another person said, um, I've been suffering from chronic dissociation for over two years now with intermittent dissociation for for much of my life. It's tough to describe, but I'll give it a shot. Most days, I feel like my head is full of cotton. Like many others here, I feel like I'm watching life through a screen or filter. Things don't feel real at times, such as my limbs or other people. I often struggle with memory issues, blanking out, daydreaming, etc. I'll sometimes have a strange taste in my mouth or feeling in my head when things are really intense. My emotions are severely muted. I've laughed or cried only a few times in recent memory. Dissociation has been both the worst and best thing that has ever happened to me. On one hand, my day-to-day is pretty miserable. On the other hand, I never would have learned about CPTSD if it wasn't from my entering this chronic state a few years ago. Plus, I know my body is trying to shield me from the trauma. Unfortunately, dissociation makes it really easy to put off treatment or recovery because you are in this semi-safe but still crappy place of where you're numb to 95% of your memories and emotions. In some ways, it's easier to just continue in this autopilot mode rather than face my trauma. I know I'll have to dive in soon though. I don't really have any other option. Good luck to you. I know you'll get through this. One, th- one thing I did like is that they said 95 of your memories and emotions because you still feel through this. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not like you shut off all your emotions. Like everything's completely shut off. Like, how moves and stuff like they make it seem like you just went psychopathic, lost all sense of self kind of thing. No, but you know you 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 have cut yourself off to most of it. You know at least to especially the part that hurts the most. Whew. Um, one person. See if I'm gonna see if the user, B S. C R B Z. These groups, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, they said for here, um, remember this was all a couple, 
a couple years ago. It says, for me, it can be as simple as zoning out in the middle of the convo, or worse, I completely freeze and lose time. The longest I went was about four hours. I was stuck in a towel on my bed in the middle of getting dressed. I was completely, I wasn't completely frozen in my place, but completely spaced out and had no clue the day passed by. Excuse me, until I stepped out of it. <sighs> yeah. I can definitely agree with the zoning out part. I've done that before. Another one on the subreddit, explain like I'm five subreddit. Um, they asked, what does it mean to dissociate? Like someone, I'm like, you know, anyone who can tell them what it actually feels like. Um, Cause they know the definition, but they want to know if they don't give like a definition of the feeling. Um, let me see. I want to see this one person. I can find them. Here it says by West Forder. It said it says this was also on subreddit a couple of years ago. It says I find I find it actually pleasurable and relieving. I guess what's triggering it is just the opposite. I was saying therapy. I wish I could live dissociated for the rest of my life. I am by nature a kind, caring, trusting person. This is probably what allowed me to end up being abused and bullied. Uh, people who know me will say that my dissociated persona is like a machine. I have no feelings and become aggressive only thinking of me. When you're sensitive, when you're a sensitive male, the world can be a tough place to manage. I've since kind of blended the two personas so the world is easier to navigate. Instead of dissociating now, I can separate and set up healthy boundaries while still maintaining my more sympathetic and empathetic side. The machine allowed me to be very successful in business. I've been retired since I was 49, so it's probably why I like being dissociated. The problem is, it's not conductive to healthy relationships, and even though I'm introverted, I still need human contact. It caused my divorce, but getting healthier allowed me to have a successful marriage to my second wife, and I have good relationships with our four daughters. I also have friends. I hope this answers or gives some insight. Uh, the original poster said interesting take on it reminded me of Brazil and Gillian movies in general I do like I like I want to read this also because it shows that everyone has a different take on their own mental illness and some people see it as a safe haven some people say see it as a good thing and there are other people who see it as a literal nightmare so it can also show that I feel like sometimes in the media it's always seen as a bad thing but in reality, I feel like all so all things like this, it's just a different way of seeing the world. Like this person here, he found this person, West Forder, he, she, they, whatever, um, found a good way to found a way to make it pleasurable or relieving for themselves. Um, even though they just they do see there's downsides to it, they were like, what's triggering it or what's how it got me through life. I, I don't, you know, it, it was pleasurable, you know, or relieving whatever they felt like. So not always a negative Nancy kind of um, way of looking at it. But I did want to also give my own perception of my own, not perception, but I guess uh, experience with it. Um, I know when I was younger, I dealt with dissociation quite a lot. Um... 
I remember it was it was always using why I was getting yelled at or when I was getting um or when the argument would come out, regardless if it was with me or with someone else. Um I would it was usually I think that's when I was younger. I think now comes sometimes with social anxiety or just with things just anything that could be even semi stressful. Um I guess I I say it's personally more of a I slip out into like an imaginary world. Um, but when I was younger, it happened a lot more um, subconsciously. Like I wouldn't know I'm doing it until I someone snapped me out of it. Because um, um, most of the time I just didn't know. I was a very imaginative child, so I just always like to create imaginative scenarios. Um, but as I grew older, I just created this whole separate imaginary world in my head where I just felt safe and what I mean safe I meant I could control anything you know I had control over you know if it was a bad experience in my, in my world that day or a good experience you know if I could fly that day I could if I decided if I could breathe fire I could you know if I wasn't this way you know if I was that way I had complete control of the situation I felt safe I felt relatively safe in my world but I know when usually I have good yelled at or get arguments or sometimes where my brain will be like, okay, this is one-sided. This is causing stress. I, my brain will kind of like, it's not like a shut off, but it's like, I, it's like my, it's like my, my emotions, my inner child, and like, I guess you can say like the core person of me. Like it's like kind of say a core, a core personality. I guess you can say the, my, my, my being kind of like take the whole step back. And like put yourself behind a barrier. It's like a whole emotional barrier. The circle means like you. It's like my brain's like you stay in the safety, the safety world. You stay in your safety world. You stay safe. I'll handle everything. My brain will go into this like automatic, this automatic way of talking, because I think my brain, because my brains are like I can't escape the situation. Um, I'm not sure if this is more of a social anxiety kind of thing, but like my brain, like I can't escape. So usually I'll give one-worded answers or very simple sentence kind of answers. I could not give like a very um, exhausted kind of answer. So if it was like, I'm trying to think of a good way of putting it. Like I said, my mom was yelling at me because she was upset that I did something or that I said something or I did something wrong. Um, I would... Pretty much, I, I, I would just, like, my brain would just stop, just like that. Like, there's no, there's no, I don't know how to say it. Like, there, like my brain just didn't, it, it didn't want to process it in the reality that I was facing it. So, I would, my brain, like, my brain will always send me there, and I wouldn't know. Like, I wouldn't know until I'm out of it. But, like, I guess you can say in that moment, like, I'm aware of what's going on, but kind of feels like I'm being, like, hugged in a blanket. Kind of like, okay, like, I got you. It's kind of like my, it's like a safety blanket of a world that's kind of like, I got you, you're safe, it's okay. But while my brain's doing that, like, my, my mom might ask me a question or just lecture me. And I'll probably, and I'll give, like, yes, no, I don't know, nothing. Like, very, very simple answers, because at that point, that's all my brain can even function to even give because it's still trying to console my inner my inner my inner brain my inner child it's still trying to console that part of me it's like okay you have like you have to get through this you know it stressed me out 
Because a lot, a lot of times I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know I was dissociating from reality. Until my mom eventually would leave or eventually the stress was gone. And then like my head basically what would what happen, which I realized I do still sometimes to this day, is that basically my brain would take that whole situation and basically have to re it basically remakes the whole situation in my safety world for my for my own for myself to like for me to deal with. And in that situation, it's not like my brain and my like my body is still doing whatever it needs to do, like whatever tasks these are still doing, whatever. But in my head, I'm still trying to like I'm still my imaginary world, legit still picking up pieces and trying to make this whole situation work in my imaginary world. Like nothing, like it basically is like a parallel, but it's completely different. So basically, in my head, I'm basically still trying to make it sound right. But then basically when I get out of that headspace and I get into my reality, the the problem is still there. But basically I completely avoid it. So what that means I avoid my mom or I just avoid, I try to leave, try to stay away from people as much as possible. Where the situation that causes me stress, I try to avoid it as much as possible because I'm like, I don't want to go back. Like I don't, like I don't want to go back to, that stru- to doing stress. It's very weird. But I definitely say when I was younger, it happened a lot more without my knowledge, like without my conscious knowledge of me knowing that I dissociated in that moment. I feel like as I grew older, it did take a little more conscious effort, but I feel like now it's more of a preference. So like when I was younger, it was like my brain didn't have an option. It was like, no, you have to go there now. As I grow older, I, I started realizing how much more of my brain was like, this is a preference, like either we can shield you from everything and we can try to piece together later or you can just deal with it like you can or you can just let it all out like you let how you really feel but of course the way my brain presents that option to me is either either you go to your safety net or you're gonna deal with all the trauma all the emotions every single thing you you felt like you're gonna deal with it all at once and of course, it comes off usually me being very fearful. Like, this big woman of fear comes out of me. And, like, it's, and like I'm legit trying to control that while also trying, like, my brain's trying to dissociate while I'm dealing with emotions. It's a very complicated way of going through things in my head. Um, I know, um, I think the last time I argued um, or at least, like, a disagreement with my mom, um, I remember, like, this always happens. Usually when I was, like, you snapped at me. Or you yelled at me. Or you got angry with me. And most of the time, I'm like... And every time this happens, I'm like, I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember me getting angry. Like, me getting angry to where I yelled. Or where I got... Where I um, snapped at someone. I'm like, that didn't happen. And they're like... My mom was like, yes, you did. Like, I'm pretty sure she was here. She would tell you. She probably saw multiple times where I was like... You snapped at me or yelled at me. And I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Like, my perception of events... My brain's like, that didn't happen. Like, you're like you're lying. That's not what happened. I was like, no, you you yelled at me or you, or you snapped at me. In my head, I'm like, while well, trying to save myself, it's like my it's like, because there are times where my mom will sometimes not know that I'm dissociating, or she might know, but she would try to snap me out of it. Try usually to, in her in in her, in her defense, she's trying to have a projective conversation. She's trying to project projectively talk to me, but in my head, I'm like, I like my head, I'm. Feel like a defensive and defenseless animal so usually when that happens it's kind of like 
I feel like someone went in my head and took my my safety world, like my my imaginary world that I feel safe in. So I feel like someone like went and just took it. And it really feels like is I don't know how to. It's like a weird fear. It's like a. It's definitely like a fight or flight kind of response. Where now I'm like I like I have nothing to do but to face this fear. So now it's like I feel like kind of like a defense, like a like a hurt animal that's on defense. Like it's still trying to fight for its life. Like that's where I'm feeling in my head. So my head's going haywire. So usually it does usually mean that I'm snapping at someone. I might yell and I probably will say hurtful things. Usually because I'm like, that's my way of saying, leave me alone. You hurt me. You leave like you need to leave me alone. You stress me out. But whereas instead of saying that, it usually comes out usually hurtful words, hurtful speech. And it's not meant to be, it's not even meant to really hurt the person. It's more, it's more so, so it's like, leave me alone, you're hurting me. You're stressing me out. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's like being a defenseless, being a defenseless animal trying to defend itself. And I feel like my mom has done a little bit better with knowing, um, that that's what I go through in my head where like, I will dissociate myself. Um, but I feel like I don't do it as much. I feel like it does take some effort, but also not really even effort is a good way of putting it. Just more just like. It takes. It's my brain will go there, but it will. But I'm more aware that I'm there. Like I'm aware that my brain's like, okay, we're dissociating. Like we're shutting off emotions. We're shutting off certain experiences, so we can deal with the situation in a logical fashion. And like we'll deal with the situation later. But when my emotions are being called to the forefront so quickly, that's usually when like the whole situation plays out. I feel like that person who just overshared a bunch of information with a complete stranger. But yeah, that's my experience with dissociation. It's definitely very complicated. And this is why I didn't want to really go too far into like PTSD and how other, how other mental health conditions could cross over to this because it's very complicated. Like even with me, I'm pretty sure I probably crossed over to probably a couple other uh, mental illnesses, mental health uh problems that are just personal for me but like I said it's very complicated please go to please go to a mental health doctor um if you have problem if you have any issues or questions this also this also not just for you guys but mention to myself because I truly probably need to go um at least to get either a diagnosis or at least go to therapy something because it's it's a real problem. It's a real problem for me. I think mostly because I don't know how to constantly deal with it without looking out for things like on the internet. But the internet is not always the best place. Always please go trust your doctors, your doctors, general practitioners, psychiatrists, psychologists, whoever you go to. They're there to help. Um, but, like I, but I'm going to end it here because I feel like I overshared a lot. <laughs> Um, but yes, um, I'll leave links to, like I said, I'll leave links to things I've talked about in the description. Um, and yeah, that was it. I hope you guys enjoy it and I'll see you guys next time. Bye you guys.